بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين ما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لقد جاءكم رسول من أنفسكم عزيز عليه ما عنتم حريص عليكم بالمؤمنين رؤوف الرحيم صدق الله العلي العظيم First of all my dearest most respected and most honorable uh, beloved brothers and sisters in Islam assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh first of all we begin humbly by thanking allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by glorifying and praising allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for once again enabling us with this unique and wonderful opportunity to come together to congregate for one sole purpose and that purpose is ultimately to worship allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to praise and glorify allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and uh, to send salutations upon his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and we pray that Allah azza wa jal will continue to facilitate these kinds of opportunities for us in the future insha'Allah I see mashaAllah some new faces here uh, who have come for the first time mashaAllah assalamu alaikum Allah accept your attendance here today um, this month that we're in right now is the month of the mawlid of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It's the month of the birth of the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam. And I've mentioned this before, that when we have certain uh, dates occur in our calendar, it's imperative that we give significance to those dates. And the reason for that is quite simple, that Allah azza wa in the Qur'an gave significance to the birth of, of the anbiya, the birth of other prophets of, 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 uh, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he sent down. In relation to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the Quran is a uh, from 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 cover to cover. The Quran is a representation of the life that was the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. As the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, his life embodied the the Quran and the, and its principles set forth by Allah subhanahu wa taala. Just like in Laylatul Qadr, the night is famous. The night is given priority. The night is giving significance. Why? Why? Because Because we've revealed it, i.e. the Qur'an in the night of power. And the Qur'an was revealed to whom? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the greatest. And this is, there's, there's, no, um, there's no ambiguity uh, to this statement. And there's no, uh, there's no reason for anyone to doubt the statement. That the greatest blessing sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was the arrival of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the greatest of Allah's blessings. In this verse of the Qur'an that I quoted before you, and, and over the last couple of weeks we've been talking about some aspects of the sunnah, the seerah, the life and legacy of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that each and every one of us can learn from, that we can take something away. Because it's, you know, the only way that you could experience Laylatul Qadr and it'd be better for you than a thousand months of worship is if, you, if you've established a relationship with the Qur'an. If you haven't, then you haven't, you know, you've let Laylatul Qadr pass without you taking advantage of it. So in exactly the same way, when it comes to the month of the remembrance of the Prophet wasallam, and we do not restrict it or limit it to just this month, the Prophet wasallam is forever a mercy. The Prophet ﷺ wasn't just sent as a mercy in the month of Rabi'ul Awwal. The Prophet ﷺ is forever caring and compassionate over you. Harisun alaykum, as the verse says, in the, as I quoted before you in the Quran. He wasn't only Haris over the believers in the month of Rabi'ul Awwal. 
So we celebrate the arrival of the Prophet wasallam at every given opportunity. I start my khutbah every single Friday saying we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his blessings and we send salutations and praise upon his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So in order for us to establish a relationship with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we have to know him. In order to, for us to love the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we have to understand him, we have to know about him, we have to educate ourselves on how he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam lived his life. In this verse of the Quran, I quoted before you a, a, and it's a beautiful verse, because this is a verse in which there are two uh, attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse, he gifts them to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He says, لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِّنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ First of all, he personalizes it for us, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He said, there has come to you a messenger min anfusikum, from among yourselves, as in he is not a malak descended from the skies. He is not an angel descended from the skies, someone who you can't communicate with, someone who you can't uh, you know, have that relationship with. This is an individual who, like you, is a bashar. He is like you, he, like you in the sense that he is a man. So he experiences the same emotions that you do. He feels the things that you do. He has to do the things that you also are, are uh, inquired uh, uh, to do. لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِّنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ عَزِيزٌ عَلَيْهِمَا أَنِتُمْ That grievous to him is what you suffer. As in when you're in pain, the Prophet ﷺ feels your pain. When you're suffering, the Prophet ﷺ is aggrieved because of your suffering. And I've given so many examples of this. Remember the example of the young child, the brother of Anas ibn Malik. Uh, do you remember the example that I gave you of the, the younger brother of uh, Abu Umair the, the, and his bird? Do you remember some of you? Yeah, you should remember this example. Uh, uh, Anas ibn Malik had a younger brother, his name was Abu Umair. And Abu Umair had this, this, this nightingale, this bird, pet bird that he used to play with. Uh, and it's called the Nughair. And he was fond of this bird. Uh, one day, the Prophet ﷺ happened to come across Abu Umair. Abu Umair is upset, he's distraught. And the Prophet inquired. First of all, this is the Prophet of Allah. This is a small five, five-year-old child. The Prophet of Allah said, I have to find out. Just the mere fact that the Prophet ﷺ had to inquire shows his care and compassion for the people around him. What's happened? What's wrong with Abu Umair? And the Prophet ﷺ is informed that you know, his, his pet bird, his Nughair, has passed away. Right? And that's why he's upset. And the Prophet ﷺ did not respond the way perhaps you and I would have responded. Oh, oh listen, it's just a bird. Don't worry, there's plenty more out there. We'll get you another one. We'll give you this and we'll give you that. We'll get you a bigger and better bird than that one. We will try to um, uh, uplift the mood and the spirits of that child. The Prophet ﷺ understood. He was perceptive about people's feelings. He understood that although for me and you, that bird didn't mean a thing. But for Abu Umair, that bird meant something. Right? He had a connection to that specific bird. So Abu Umair, uh, the Prophet ﷺ sat down with him. And that's what he said, Ya Abu Umair, ma fa'ala nughair Oh Abu Umair, what has the nughair done? As in, why has the nughair left us? And the Prophet ﷺ personalized that, that, that loss himself to such an extent when any member of, of his community 
felt a loss. I, brothers, please do come forward, inshallah. Please do come forward. When any member of the community of the Prophet ﷺ experienced a loss, the Prophet ﷺ would experience it along with them. There, there, are, in, there, were, there are situations when children who were, who were orphans would sit down and they would cry. The Prophet ﷺ would sit down and cry with them without even asking them why they're crying. That was his azizun alihimanittum. That's grievous to him. Is what you suffer. He feels your pain and your suffering. Why? Because harisun alikum. Because he has a deep. This hirs is a word which is used in the Urdu language as well, right? It's that deep care, that deep affection for you, right? He cares deeply for you. He wants good things to happen to you. He wants for you not to experience anything bad, anything evil. And with the believers, he is kind and he is compassionate. Kind and compassionate here, Rauf and Rahim, are two attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In this verse, he gifts them to the Prophet that he is Rauf and Rahim over you. He is merciful and he is compassionate over you. And this is part of his excellence that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's love for him that he gifted him with two of his own names. There are many, many examples of the Prophet's merciful nature. There's a hadith of the Prophet. He said, Ana Muhammadun wa Ahmadu wal Mukafi wal Hashiru wa Nabiyu Tawbati wa Nabiyu Rahma. That I am Muhammad, I am Ahmad, I am Mukafi. Mukafi means that I'm the last in succession in terms of the prophethood. I, I am Hashir, I'm the prophet of repentance and I am the prophet of, of mercy. There's that great example of the merciful nature of the Prophet ﷺ. You know, you can never judge someone's friendship or his, sorry, his mercy in accordance with his friendship with others. So I can't judge Thakib and I can't judge his mercy based on how merciful he is towards his family. I can't. Because everyone is merciful towards their family. If I see a, a, a father here and he's been merciful to his child, that's nothing new. That's, that's something which is the norm. I can't say, well, oh, this man is incredibly merciful. Why? Because I saw him be merciful to his child. Well, he's supposed to be merciful to his child. Right? This is part of um, us as hum human beings, as a companion of the Prophet ﷺ. His name was Akra ibn Habis. Akra ibn Habis was one of those companions who we would term as, you know, someone like us, you know, who's, you know, the macho, a man's man, a macho man, right? And Aqra ibn Habis once saw the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and uh, uh, the hadith report that the Prophet sallallahu picked up Imam Hassan or Imam Hussein, and he began kissing him. Other narrations report that it was Hassan he raised up his arms. The Prophet picked him up, picked him up, kissed him, and put him to the ground. Then Hassan raised up his arm. The Prophet picked him up, sorry Hussein, and then he picked him up and and kissed him and put his and and that kept on happening. Every time they were getting a kiss, each one would put up his arms and want to get another kiss from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And Aqra is. Ibn Habis is watching this, this magnificent sight, right? The Prophet showing this care and this love and compassion to his grandchildren. And he says, Ya Rasulullah, I have ten children and I have never kissed a single one of them. And the Prophet, there's two narrations with regards to the replies 
that the Prophet ﷺ gave. One was, what can I do if Allah has removed mercy from your heart? And the other one was, man la yarhamu la yurham. He who does not show mercy will not be shown any mercy. As in, if you're not merciful unto others, don't expect Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be merciful to you. The Prophet ﷺ himself told us that the rahimun, the merciful, are those who show mercy unto others. And when you show mercy unto others, then the, the, uh, the most merciful, Ar-Rahim, will show mercy to you. And there's countless examples of the Prophet ﷺ in regards to his, his merciful nature um, and, and how, uh, how caring and how compassionate he was to his, uh, uh, to his uh, family members, to his friends. But you can't judge an individual. You can't judge him based upon his mercy towards his friends. Because he's supposed to be merciful to his friends and his family members. How about we judge a person for his mercy to his, the mercy that he shows to his enemies. This is something that was unheard of in pre-Islamic Arabia. You know why? Because in pre-Islamic Arabia, uh, enemies of an individual were, were dealt with with the tip of the sword. So if you had enmity towards someone, it was like a lifelong enmity. You know, there were actual tribes there who for absolutely no reason whatsoever... They had, you know, raging for centuries, and, and, and for some of them, decades, right? They had enmity towards each other over, you know, my, my sheep grazed on his land, you know, on his grandparents' land 200 years ago, and they started a war, and that war continues to today. Over the smallest of reasons, they had enmity. They were quick to have enmity towards one another. And the Prophet ﷺ being the merciful individual, we have not sent you, O Muhammad, except as a mercy for all of creation. The Prophet ﷺ, in terms of how merciful he was to his, to his enemies, listen to this hadith. In the section of Rahmah and Mercy of the Prophet ﷺ, in Qadi Ayadish, as Kitab al-Shifa, in his book, Al-Shifa, the, the great judge, Qadi, uh, Qadi Ayad, he mentions uh, that Imam uh, Ibn Shahab, uh, Shahabdin al-Zuhri, um, he, he stated that once the Prophet sallallahu he came across, he went on a ghazwa. Ghaza Rasulullah sallallahu That he went on a ghazwa. A ghazwa is an expedition. But in between the battles of the Prophet, like Badr and Uhud and, and Khandak, there were various military expeditions that would take place. These military expeditions would consist of about you know, 20 riders or 30 riders who would go out in certain directions outside of Medina. And they would... Uh, they would uh, have, you know, um, surveillance missions to see whether the enemy is camped out near or whether uh, caravans were passing through. And then they would come back and they, were, they would report, report to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And one, on one of these expeditions, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam went out on the ghazwa himself, and with him was his, uh, uh, um, uh, his, 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 his companions, and. He came across a compa uh, an individual who was an enemy of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. His name was Sufyan ibn Umayyah, and he came across Sufyan ibn Umayyah, and he gave him a hundred camels. Now, let me put that in context for you. Um, camels were the mode of transport at the time, and they were the most luxurious mode of transport at the time. So it's like now, if you can think of the most luxurious mode of transport. You, you would say the most expensive car, for example. No? Uh, what's an expensive car? I don't know. A Rolls Royce, a Bentley, right? 
he gave this companion, this individual, 100 camels. Then he gave him 100 more. Then he gave him 100 more. So now he's given him 300 camels. This individual didn't ask for those 300 camels. This individual is not a family member of the Prophet ﷺ. He's not someone who is even a Muslim. He's an enemy of the Prophet ﷺ. He gives him 100 camels. After giving him, sorry, 300 camels. After giving him 300 camels, he himself states, Sufyan, Safwan ibn Umayyah, he states that, Wallahi laqad a'atani ma'atani. Wallahi, by Allah, the Prophet ﷺ, he gave me whatever he gave me. And at the time, at the time when he started giving me those camels, he was the most hated of people to me. I hated him and I resented him the most. But he kept, yet he kept on giving me and giving me more, until he became the most beloved of people to me. This was the nature of the Prophet He understood that this is something that he would be inspired by. So he just gave him some, some wealth, that he was inspired by and he thought, why is the Prophet ﷺ giving me something when I am not worthy of it? There was a companion, there was another enemy of the Prophet ﷺ who went out. Said, I'm glad. He went out with the most evil of intentions. He went out to kill the Prophet ﷺ. And as he makes this intention, he thinks, that's it, I'm not going to come back to my home until I have killed the Prophet of Islam. And he goes out. And he finds the Prophet ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ is taking shade underneath a tree. And he takes out, he says, this is perfect, right? I didn't even have to fight. He's already sleeping there. It's perfect environment for me. So he takes out his sword. He unsheaths it. And he places the tip of the sword on the neck of the Prophet ﷺ. He says, oh Muhammad. And the Prophet ﷺ wakes up. And he says, who is going to save you from my sword today? And the Prophet ﷺ, in that condition, he said, Allah, 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 three times. This man, his hand begins to shake. The sword drops from his hands. He falls to his knees. The Prophet ﷺ picks up that sword and he places the tip of that sword on his neck. And he said, oh, ma oh, oh, oh young man, who is going to save you from Muhammad today? And he said, Ya Muhammad, Ya Muhammad, Oh Muhammad, Oh Muhammad, as in only you. Can be merciful or show me mercy today. And the Prophet ﷺ said, go, you're free. That individual, as soon as he leaves, he decides that he's going to become a Muslim because of the mercy that the Prophet ﷺ showed him. Now, let me not, I don't want to trivialize the suffering that the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, especially the Muhajirun, suffered at the hands of the Quraysh in Mecca. The likes of Sayyidina Bilal radiallahu ta'ala and how he was dragged through the streets of, 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 of Mecca. He bore the scars of, 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 of that, that suffering and that torment, that punishment. Other companions, there were companions of the Prophet who were killed. They were killed by, by, by the Quraysh. Yet, and the Prophet he is driven out of his home. His family is driven out. They have to migrate to another land. Eight to nine years later, when the Prophet ﷺ, he returns to, to Makkah al-Mukarramah. And now he, he returns, not like a conquering general. You know Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great, when he conquered Alexandria, is named after him in Egypt. He entered, he put on, he found, out, he, uh, he found the most tallest of horses. The biggest of horses. And he sat on the biggest of horses. And he wore the most shiniest of armor. And he had his sword raised as he entered Alexandria, because he wanted people to see. He wanted people to know that I am the man that has conquered you. 
I am that Alexander. The Prophet ﷺ, when he conquered Makkatul Mukarramah at the head of 10,000, these are individuals who have killed his family members, who have killed his companions, fought uh, against the Prophet at Badr, came back for Uhud, kept on coming back for more, right? Killed many of his companions, attempted to kill the Prophet ﷺ on many occasions. The Prophet ﷺ doesn't enter Mecca, you know, as a conquering general. He, in fact, he's re is reported that he's sitting on a camel. And the companions report that his head was bowed down so low in humility and humbleness and, uh, and gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the companions said it felt like the Prophet sallallahu it seemed like he was giving sajda upon that camel. This is not from me, this is from Allah. This victory is from Allah. And when he enters Mecca, what does he say? You know, in fact, there, were, there was a companion of the Prophet. Nothing wrong with, with his sentiments. This individual, he, he was hurt. He had experienced that torment. He has experienced that punishment. He was tortured by, those, by these very same peoples, driven out of his home. His family was killed. This individual, you could imagine the mindset of that person. He said, he was, he was gunning. He was ready to go. He said, Ayyomu yomul malhama. That today, today is the day of bloodshed. Right? And in his... Uh, uh, enthusiasm, vigor. He uttered a statement which the Prophet ﷺ disapproved of. Someone came and told the Prophet, Ya Rasulullah, he's saying that today is the day of bloodshed. It's the day of, 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 uh, of, of the blood is going to fill the streets of Mecca. And the Prophet ﷺ said, No. Al yawmu yawmul marhama. That today is the day of mercy. Today is the day of tolerance. Today is the day of understanding and perception. And those individuals, those same people, who tried to kill the Prophet ﷺ, killed some of his companions. What did he say to them? I'm going to take my revenge on you today. Today's the time that I'm going to chop off, you know, your heads and your limbs. No, he said to them, Idhabu Go for you all free. You know, that single statement of the Prophet ﷺ, 20 years of preaching to these individuals and nothing was able to soften their hearts. As soon as the Prophet ﷺ said, go for your all free, instantaneously Mecca is transformed. People enter into Islam in groups, in groups, all of them wanting to become a Muslim because of their mercy. Because they thought to themselves, after everything that we've done, after everything that we've tried to do to him, he's still merciful to us and he's still compassionate to us. You know, this is why, you know, Sayyidina Abu Bakr, um, uh, and I think it's time now. Um, uh, I think we, 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 shouldn't, um, we shouldn't continue to uh, take off more time than, than is necessary. I'll leave with the last statement of or hadith of the Prophet Sayyidina Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala. And you know when the Prophet sallallahu wasallam was ill because of his connection with the Prophet sallallahu he too would become ill. That was his nature. And there was a poem um, which one of our scholars would, uh, would inform us of. He said... Um, Marid al-Habib fa'uktuhu That my, my, my Habib, my beloved became ill So I visited him As in the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa And I became ill because of his suffering As in seeing the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa In this condition made Abu Bakr ill also Fa'adan al-Habibu fi maradi And then my Habib, when I become ill now He visited me during my illness As in when the Prophet sallallahu would find out that when he would recover from his illness, immediately he would go to the house of Abu Bakr. Because he knew that because he was ill, automatically Abu Bakr would be ill. And then I would become uh, cured 
by seeing the Prophet ﷺ healthy once again. That's the nature of the Prophet ﷺ's relationship with the people around him. He was constantly kind, he was constantly compassionate. None of you can truly have complete iman until you love for your brother what you love for yourself. You want, you want to be treated kindly, you want to be treated with respect, you want to be afforded respect, you want people to talk to you in a polite manner. You want people to be positive with you and not negative. So if you want all of these things for yourself, then you have to ensure, you have to ensure that you do that for others as well. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give me and you the tawfiq and the ability to act upon the teachings of the Quran, the noble sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa akhiru da'wana. And alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.